You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to stand in your presence this Sunday morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that as we share from your word, that you would teach, you would instruct, you would strengthen, you would open our eyes, you would show us what the Father's heart is. We thank you for the power of God in this place today. We thank you for healing. We thank you for deliverance. We thank you for strength and comfort. Our Father, we open our hearts to you. And the whole church said, Amen. Because we prayed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Um, why don't you find out how the person next to you is really doing. And I know this can be a very difficult thing. And this is like the part in the service where you just roll your eyes at me. And like, I, you know, this, this, is not what you, this is not what you came to church for. I know you're an introvert. You have a certificate and a t-shirt. But just find out. Try, try. Let God touch your heart. That you can talk to somebody you don't know. Some people are just pressing their phone as if they're calling you from state house. But serious. Let God, just, just try. Just take one minute. You don't know. At least I'm not said to I'm not said to tell the person I love you. <laughs> How are you doing? I think I should tell you to tell the person huh, that you love them. <laughs> you know, some people just sit somewhere in service, just saying, "Today might be the day that PI will say." <laughs> but um, but when we come to church, we must realize that the Holy Spirit will work in all sorts of ways, and He will walk through us. And so sometimes the annoying guy holding the mic will say, tell somebody next to you, I love you. And you don't know if it's the person who has been contemplating suicide. You don't know if it's someone who has been troubled or been told by the devil endlessly all night that no one loves you. And so please, you know, there's a method to some of these things sometimes, all right? So at least, okay, I won't ask you to tell the person I love you, but just, just smile at the person and tell them it's well. <laughs> as well. All right. All right. It's a very interesting week it has been in our city um, and all around the country. Okay. All right. Um, here everybody and their in-laws are in love now. Okay. But it's a good time to be alive. We thank everyone who's come to service today. At some point in the service, we will be um, dedicating our very first life point baby. Just, just so overjoyed, yeah. So I'll just I will preach a short-ish message, okay, and then we'll. But we welcome everyone who's worshiping here for the very first time. My name is Idris. I'm the caretaker here at Life Point. <laughs> Okay, but LifePoint is the young adult expression of the Elevation Church, which is pastored by Pastor Godman and Pastor Bolanrewa Kinlabi. Further down the road, uh, we also have a mainland expression. Um, at LifePoint, we're just absolutely crazy about God. We are fascinated by the fact that God loves us. Uh, we say it's the same message in a slightly different language, and if you don't have a church where you are planted, we ask that you let the Holy Spirit um, to lead you and see if this will be where he would want you to settle, okay? But, um, but, but everyone, i like us to, so I said to us that starting today we'll have this set of discussions 
about how to maximize your life. Um, I watched with great interest um, over the week as one of my adopted uncles mentioned how he was going to be retiring. Uh, Prince Philip in England talked, um, um, says he's planning to retire. But what shocked me, I guess I'd never really taken note of it, was his age. You know how old he is, huh? 90, I think it's 92 or 94. 90 something. I felt very young again. Uh, <laughs> but I, I suddenly realized how it was important that we must never allow anybody retire us before God's plan for our life is finished. In fact, this um, whole lie about retirement at the age of 65, I don't know where it came from. Okay? In fact, I even hear some people say, I want to retire at 40. If you are the owner of your life, <laughs> that's fine. But if you are not, I think... Um, it's important that we understand that God has a plan for our life. It's a long, beautiful plan for our life. Um, so I started scheduling meetings for my 80th year. If you get invitations for my 85th birthday, don't be surprised. Okay, just accept in faith, all right? Um, but I'd like us to read out of Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Well, let's start from there. i probably read the scripture every Sunday for the next four weeks. Ephesians chapter 5 and from verse 15. It says, be very careful then, reading out of the NIV, then how you live, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I think it's in the Amplified. It says, therefore, see that you walk carefully, Living life with honor, purpose, and courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence, because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, the 17 says, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. And so this morning, just a quick talk about how, what's the best use of time. Now, this is not a time management discussion. And I'll tell you why that is important. Um, so it's not about the best tools to use to manage your time. I mean, you can go on the internet and find tons of material on that. But the question I've been asking was, look, so God, what is the best use of our time? I was saying to Wumi earlier that one of the answers I got was a bit, um, and I tried, you, you see why I, why I said the answer was a bit odd, because I was like, ah, ah God, no, a small player, I was just asking you a simple question, why have you taken it to? Because I thought the answer I got was a bit, like, no, no, I, how do, you know, when you preach a message, you kind of want to be able to show, you know, the logical construction, it all matches. But yet that answer for me is extremely true. Um, but when we get there, I'll tell you. But first and foremost, look, time is an opportunity that God gives us, all of us. Time is an opportunity, it's a gift. 
You know, 1 Corinthians, I think, 6, Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that you are not your own. I know you think you belong to yourself, but you really don't. You are bought by God. And so time is given for the fulfillment of purpose. Okay? When we read, I think it's in Ecclesiastics, it says that for everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Okay? So time has to do with the fulfillment of purpose. Okay? There used to be this, you know, this thing, I can't remember how, it, this is it, the idol, was it the idol? Something is the devil's workshop. I don't mind. They used to eat in Benin when I was growing up. I don't know if it got to Lagos, but <laughs> none of us, you know, some of this wisdom used to flow from Lake Benin upwards to the rest of the country. Fashion moved from Lagos downwards, but wisdom the other ways, <laughs> right? But yeah, so this is a, you know, and there was a lot of our time. There was a song. Um, you don't know this song. You cannot know it. Does time now money you? I didn't ask you people, wait, do you know the song? You don't know it. Like, eh, can you know the song? <laughs> um, Tolo Shinawa, you know the song. <laughs> um, but there was, you know, there's quite a bit about the fact that um, you needed to be very conscious about how you used your time. And over the years, there's been development of different thoughts. But time is for the fulfillment of purpose. Our days contain the same amount of time. But we don't all have the same number of days, eventually. Okay? Some of us were born in the 90s, some in the 80s, some in the 70s, and, and some a lot earlier than that. And our time on Earth is not exact, wouldn't exactly be the same. One thing to also mention is that we will all account for our time. We will all account for our time. When I used to, um, it was one time I used to work for an accounting firm, professional service firm, and there was this concept, and I think the lawyers also have it, called a charge-out rate. All right? It was essentially how much when you had done work for a client, how much you would bill the client for one hour of work. And so you would see maybe one eyes, a thousand dollars, you know, per you know one eyes. So if the lawyer did work for you seven hours that day, they would charge you seven times whatever it was, you know, um, that charge out rate was. And um, this was important for me because I, I began to ask myself, you know, over the weekend during the week, how much is my own time worth? Let me ask the person sitting next to you, how much is your time worth? Per hour, per hour. Let them give you a number. Per hour. <laughs> people are laughing because they're hearing figures. You know some of the figures the people call, doesn't you know? And the thing is, I, I realize you, you, you need to be able to come to the place, and, and, and it will get there, where you can put a price to your time. And this is important because otherwise people will, it will then become like when you go to some of our traditional markets in Nigeria where we now do what is called pricing. Madam, how much? Say 15. Ah, ah, for what? Just one, madam. Say, okay, how much do you want to pay? Uh, 10 naira. For what? And then you go back and forth. But uh, I, I've began to see that, you know, if you 
at the beginning we're even able to put a price tag, it doesn't mean that everybody will buy at that price. But it does give an indication about how much value you place on it. And, and I'm going somewhere with all of this. You know the concept of African time, which is something we have inherited and are very proud of. But it essentially meant that we learned to believe that time does not necessarily, it's not necessarily what a lot. It means if they say, come at three, you should get there around 5.30. But, but why is this important, this whole discussion about time? Um, so our life is measured in time. Our life is measured in time. Um, I could say, ask your neighbor, how old are you? But don't cause a riot. And I know all the ladies say, oh, no, a lady doesn't tell her time or her age, except she's applying for a job. Then she puts it boldly. But um, your life, 80, 100, 120 years, is measured in time. And, and, what is, and, and people use their time in different ways. Okay? So to the point, look, God, what is the best use of time? So that scripture I read in Ecclesiastes 3 says, for everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the earth. Verse 2 says, a time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. And it goes on and on and on. First thing will be useful to mention is how our life, our time is divided into seasons. Those seasons are indicative of the unique purpose and assignment that God has um, attached to those different phases of time. Okay? So I think it was with the leaders uh, we're talking, I was sharing with them, I think it was Tuesday, I said how that all days are equal, but some days are more equal than others. And that's kind of from Animal Farm, if you know, well, that's not exactly from Animal Farm, but it sounds like something from Animal Farm. But what it means is, is you cannot think, plan, treat the days of your life as totally the same, because they're all typically different. And, and you would find that there might be a set of days in which you need to behave in a particular manner as you attend to a particular purpose. But you need to become to the place where you are perceptive of the season of life that you are in. Um, I mean, when you, when you, as you do that whole discerning what season you are in, the, it's, it's also helpful if you understand that there are some things which need to be done first, and there are some things which need to be done early. And there are two different things. Some things which need to be done first, and some things which need to be done early. Um, when you, so our weathers, we're, we're, we're kind, you know, we're very blessed here. But you know, abroad, you know when you're traveling abroad, um, especially to a place that has changing seasons, one of the things you, you, um, one of the things you, you, you do, you know, we are well served to do, is to find out what season they are in before you get there. You don't want to end up you know, in Moscow in the middle of winter wearing your nicest t-shirts. Even from the plane, you're, you would 
I mean, you would already know that you've done something wrong. And so understanding seasons, but, but what happens, you know, because we're here in Lagos, we don't, it's only rain, rain and sun, and we don't really care, so. And we don't, we don't really, we're not taught to dress or behave. In fact, people abroad in some countries have different wardrobes for different seasons. But here, we wear everything, doesn't matter. I'm going to wear suede today. It doesn't matter where it's raining. I'm taking my suede shoe. I plan it matches my shirt. And you just head up into, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But the season of life that you are in determines, is one of the, you know, the first things that puts pressure on how you use your time. So let me ask the person next to you. Or if you're new to life point, we do this. is how the pastor gets the message, you know, going along very quickly. But help me ask the person, what season of life are you in? <laughs> okay. And it's okay not to know, but it's okay not to know. <laughs> it's okay not to know, but it's okay, not, it's okay to know that you don't know, but you must deal with that. Because otherwise, you would find that you are either doing what everybody else is doing, or you're doing what people have told you is good to do now. So you need to understand when it is time to sow, when it's time to reap. Um, as, as, I, as I prepared the message, I, I realized how one thing that I still do not see enough in the last couple of years is people deliberately sowing. Uh, and when you hear a pastor talk about sowing, you immediately think of money, but not, not just yet. But it's understanding that because there is process and there is a cycle, that necessarily in different areas of your life, you would have seasons of sowing and reaping. And so what happens is... Um, we live in a, you know, in a country or in, a, uh, in an age where we actually want things to happen very quickly. It puts untold pressure on people's minds, on people's hearts. You know, um, when I hear people, I hear the song being played, and when they get to that place where they go, 30 billion, you know the next line. The way people shout in the account, <laughs> Because I'm a pastor, I shouldn't know music. I beg, relax. <laughs> I, I ask myself, what will you do with 30 billion in your account? No, sir, what, no, what? You won't sleep. Yes. Somebody says, let God just try me and see. <laughs> no, but, you know, but we think 30 billion in the account. I come and see like a prayer meeting. 30 billion, you know, just going back and forth. But um, 30 billion is harvest. <laughs> That's harvest. Well, I don't know how you and God are rolling, but that should be harvest. <laughs> okay? So I say this whole understanding of seasons, I don't see enough of people saying, this is the time when I am laying down the roots that will bring forth the fruit of 30 billion in another 10 years. Uh, and so it, it's in different aspects of life. 
For some people, it's understanding that God is calling you to a particular thing, so you are preparing. So it's a season of preparation. For some people, it's about education. In fact, I say this carefully, but I almost sense a reluctance to invest in education. I almost, you know, so 10, 15 years ago, it was fashionable to everybody's going to do a master's. Now you realize that you can just sing one song and buy a Range Rover. You're like, who the master help? I'm just, you know, let's just, you know, but, 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 so what you have is people with high expectations and no roots. You have people with loads of expectations but no foundation. And what happens is the chap who shows up in harvest season but who did nothing during sowing season has a difficult experience. Even people just starting new ventures. In fact, it's fashionable now for people to Everybody pretends that they are deep Christians. Yeah? You know where to say, hmm, in the middle of the message. You know, like something hits you, or you have constipation. You just, hmm, 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 the word. You know? And so, uh, you, you are on, or preach, exactly, yeah. But you, because everybody's deep nowadays. You know, you just put something on Instagram, everybody likes it, you're a pastor. And, and but the thing is, so, but we don't want to admit that we are building something with God. It's, it's uh-uh. how can I be the one that is a baby Christian? Have you not heard my tongues? I speak in a mix of Portuguese and Chinese. But, but we don't, you don't want to admit. So it's, it's, we, we're in a generation that likes to put an appearance up. And the challenge with that is so we mix seasons. So we always want to look like the finished product. Okay? And so... Um, I think it's, the <laughs> Bible says in Ecclesiastes 8 that the man who has wisdom in his heart descends proper time and judgment. One translation says proper time and procedure. In fact, Ecclesiastes talks a lot about time and seasons. Ecclesiastes 10 says, Woe unto you uh, where your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So times and so an understanding of times and seasons or your seasons helps you to use appropriate your time very well. Let me tell someone next to you, tell them you've not arrived though. Oh you have, no, sorry, I apologize. You didn't add the O at the end. You have to do it with an attitude. So you have not arrived O. <laughs> okay. Because Apostle Paul says, I, I, I am pressing on. And if Apostle Paul, in the middle of writing the book of Philippians, could write such words, you have just started. Okay? And so, what season of life are you in? When we read Ephesians chapter 5, he says, look, make the most of every opportunity. He says, because the days are evil. He says, do not live as foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I'm going to try, and I know when we talk about the will of God, for a lot of us, we've been taught that the will of God is mysterious. But that's not congruent with the picture of a loving father. Because a loving father does not hide his will from his children. 
So God is willing. The Bible says he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that have understanding. He says if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And so oftentimes what we find is that we have not asked yet. So, I mean, we'll talk about this a bit more during the month, but just understanding what season of life you are in, critical. Critical. Because what happens is sometimes you try to judge your season by what everybody else is doing. I've seen people nearly die because they tried to buy a house when all their contemporaries were buying a house. But they didn't understand where their contemporaries were sourcing money from. Some people want to marry when everybody that was in their class is marrying. And, and you need to be careful. Just help me nod your neighbor, but tell them, Joe, what season of life are you in? <laughs> okay? Because, because if you do not understand the season of life that you are in, you will not use your time properly. Uh, <laughs> I, I must say this. Um, that one of the things that God expects us to do is to use our time in such a way that allows us to enjoy the blessing of God. This is what I mean. Um, and I think it, you know, so when you live in a materialistic world, and it's not just Nigeria or Lagos, it's a world, what happens is that you're under what is what I'll call performance pressure, okay? You're constantly looking for the new high. You're almost like you have a phone or a, 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 some piece of a gadget that is constantly upgrading, so you buy something today, just three months afterwards, the newer version is out, right? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, that God gives us all things to enjoy. So things like time to rest, time to connect with family, time to just even observe nature and beauty. And I said that, someone like, no, what's nature? Time to just acknowledge the awesomeness of God. There's a, there's a poem we used to read when in the secondary school where it says, talks about time to stand and stare. They didn't teach you guys in that literature? Oh, God, okay. Time to just do something that is not out of, I want to, I want to show somebody something where what you're doing is appreciating where God has taken you and who God has made you. Time to laugh. Very important. I, I find that there is a significant use of time for competition. It's just to show, I mean, I mean ladies, you know, you know how when we are going for a wedding. You know that you're not just dressing up for yourself. We guys are simple. Just, we just go. But when you see the ladies at the wedding, you know they think this is a, is a competition. The battle lines are drawn. They've been scoping what the other person was going to wear. They asked, they called her tailor. They called her sister. They remember what she wore two weddings ago. And so there's that use of time that is enjoying what God has given you. Um, I, I meet people who, 
are in their 50s or in their 60s, and they're still under so much pressure to perform. And I just wanted to say, this, is, that, this particular one, I just wanted to say to someone here, you need to take yourself out of that equation very quickly. As I was in the university when my pastor said to me, never go the way of the world, except the world is going your way. So keep purpose in mind. Uh, next week we'll talk a bit about talents and your purpose and stuff like that. Um, deliberately assigning your time to the most important things and people in your life. Choosing, as it were, your preferences with your uniqueness in mind. Okay? I was saying to someone how every season you would find a new fad. I think it was Damier. We're talking about how Everyone we know, and if, you're, if, you're, if, if this affects you, it's not a shade, it's just, it's just everyone I know is relocating somewhere far. It's like, it's like a move of something. Everyone is relocating somewhere far. And you'd be surprised how some of those decisions can mark the outcome of your life it's not, they're not things you, you don't stop in the middle and say, oh, I'm not going anymore, yeah? Okay, let's move. So, there are things you do first, and there are things you do early. Jesus says something which I find fascinating in John chapter 9, verse 4. He says, I must walk the walks of him that sent me while it is day. He says, because the night cometh, when no man can walk. I must walk the walks of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. If we agree with the premise that we do not own our life, it kind of follows that we must be careful about the work of God. So one thing I've put in my notes is one of the best uses of time is to serve God. So your life is an opportunity for God to find expression on the earth. Your life is an opportunity for God to find expression on the earth. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it speaks about how we are, as it were, ambassadors for God. In fact, Scripture says, what manner of love has he given unto us that we are called his sons, we are his children. So when people look at us, they necessarily expect and should see God. In fact, when you post an ambassador to a country, the show is not about the ambassador. The ambassador cannot just be looking at his posting as an opportunity for him to become popular or for him to become wealthy. So, this question about your service for God or to God is important. And, and just to clarify, your service to God is, includes, but is bigger than your work in church. In fact, what it is that sometimes your work in church is an opportunity for God to polish your character and hone your calling for the work outside. Okay? 
So he will talk about, I think it's Paul who says that the fivefold ministry are meant to prepare God's people for works of service. So Jesus says that, look, there's daytime and there is nighttime. And he says the best time to do the work of God is during the day. And he doesn't mean that, he means that figuratively. And for Jesus, night wasn't when the sun had said. It was when he was no longer here. In fact, I like the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I think I've put this down in the Amplified. Which says to remember thoughtfully also your creator in the days of your youth. For you are not your own, but his. Before the evil days come, or the years draw near when you will say of physical pleasures, I have no enjoyment and delight in him. Because, or before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened by impaired vision, and the clouds of depression return after the rain of tears. In the day when the keepers of the house puts hands and arms tremble, and the strong men feet and knees bow themselves. And the grinders, molar feet, sees because they are few. And those eyes who look through the windows grow dim. Simply says, look, remember the creator in the days of your youth. That the best time for you to serve God is when you have strength and when you are younger. It's interesting. And don't forget, the whole discussion is about what's the best use of your time. So, in fact, maybe it's a good time. Let me ask you, neighbor, are you serving God? <laughs> I know that sounds old-fashioned. You know, I'm serving God with my life. It sounds old-fashioned. That was before social media and Twitter and all the things which are very important to do in this. But really, let me, you know when they say, look at your neighbor eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> no, really look at him and ask him, are you serving God? <laughs> because nothing when it comes to service for God, you, God needs your service now. <laughs> and nothing is too big, nothing is too small. I know we, we, we don't really say this a lot in this house, but uh, both within the church, the local church where you go to and outside, if you cannot place your hand on how you're using time to serve God, I think it's a good time to, to, um, to consider. Like I said, this is bigger than church. This is bigger than church. I'll tell you why this is important. I'll tell you why this is important. It is requiring who once says that, look, our time on earth seems to be, from scripture, a preparation for eternity. Our time on earth is, as it were, a preparation for eternity. And, and so it's important to recognize what is key, what, is, what you can literally take to the other side. And then to invest in that thing like you're going crazy. The way this comes to me, and I hope it helps, if you went to a, a great university like the University of Benin, you, you would have these lecturers um, who would come at the end of the term, okay, just before exam. And they'll say, I want to give you, I think they used to call it the AOC. 
area of concentration. And woe betide you if you were not in class that day. Because <laughs> then you, and then they will tell you, um, they, didn't, they didn't tell you guys this in Imperial. <laughs> Sorry, <yo. laughs> it's just hard work. But, but then they will tell you, um, topic one, don't worry. Topic three, mm. <laughs> everybody will write it on the line. Topic four and five, you must study it. Topic six, don't worry. Topic seven, and, and they'll tell, and, I mean, and except the lawyer, except the lecturer was just a sadist, then he would generally keep to what he had told you to concentrate on. I find that when I read scripture, that God does leave essentially areas of concentration for us. He does. I find so. I, I find, because what happens is if the lecturer has told you, do not study, you know, I'm looking, I'm thinking very hard for a topic in one of my economics classes. Nothing is coming to mind, but I'm just going to try. Tolu, give me something. Sorry? <laughs> econometrics is a course. I want a topic in econometrics. Sorry? Inflation. Let's say, don't start inflation. Thank you. God bless you. Let's, let's do this. So, so, don't study inflation. We already done the test. You say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then, we are preparing the night before. Preparing. You see Busala in the, in the central, in the place where everybody is reading. Busala is furiously reading inflation. Underlying is shading. Ah, he said, Busola, <laughs> is everything okay? He said, yes, I just want to master this inflation something now. It's very important. If I saw Nkechi at the other side reading it, I want to do And the first thing you're going to see, you will laugh. I say, ah. <laughs> it's not coming out. <laughs> That's exactly how you say it. This is not coming out. Too. In fact, sometimes we would look at past question papers and you say, ah, I can see it here. This is not going to come out. <laughs> Look here. Eh? The Bible is full of past question papers. <laughs> so you can look at the rich man, Lazarus. Ah, this is not coming out. <laughs> oh, no, there's some things that are not coming out. Please let me tell you, but there are some things that are not coming out. <laughs> what part of the city you lived, what car you drive, what kind of makeup you used, who came for your wedding, whether it was here, Dubai, it's not coming out. <laughs> It is not coming. I know this for a fact. I spoke with the lecturer. He confirmed it. It's not coming out. And so when you use your time, in fact, <laughs> you'll be surprised, though. Who won the Premier League? It's not coming out. <laughs> and as an Arsenal fan, I'm happy. <laughs> for the punishers, join the punishment we have received here, okay? It's not coming out. In fact, the outcome of the election not coming out. So you might say, so Idris, look, what are the things that will come out? When you read Matthew 25, you begin to, you get a hint. Because when he says, because the guys say to him, but we did A, B, and C. Ah, we answered this question like this. I was going to say no. There was this, you know, this and this and this. I mean, I've been, I remember a guy in my class who had prepared for a particular question was a French exam. That question did not come out. So the guy answered the one that he had prepared for. Long essay. 
I can't remember what the detail, but he answered exactly what he had prepared for in good faith. Because it's French, the, you know, when they say, talk about your last vacation, he doesn't know how to construct sentences in French. He just told them, my house or my best friend, he just wrote it. You know, so, the, so the teacher was asking him, later, ah, his name was Tobori, I can't forget the guy. Tobori, where did you see that question? <laughs> you were asked, and I just worry that some people, the way we are living our lives, that God might be asking us, didn't you hear what I said? And so, the best use of time is one that reflects the fact that we have eternal outcomes. And it's important because if you put that analogy, so it doesn't really matter. You, you find how that the things which we seemingly invest tons of time in may be things which will not follow. The Bible says physical exercise profited little. It says, but godliness. So when you look at Noah's life, I can imagine the conflict that Noah was in. Do you know how much time it required to build the ark? And I was asking myself, so what is it that I am building in my current life that has no relevance or you can't immediately place, you can't trace it to, this is what people in my day are doing. But because I have seen something from God, I decide to focus on this. That's why prayer is important. Prayer is very important. And so, so you begin to realize, for example, why this whole concept of your serving God, <laughs> I know it sounds very old-fashioned, but your serving God is important. So if you don't, you're not plugged in in this house, please, if you're not, look, it doesn't have to be here. But your serving, and your service of God is not just working for God. It's not just working for God. In fact, Paul in Romans 12 says that, he says this is your reasonable service. What? It says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So when you comport yourself, like we were talking about last week, you say, I am not going to, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, how do we call it? Or how do they call it? I'm not going to run up a body count. See, I'm learning this language. <laughs> it's a service. It's service. When you decide, as the you know, Bible says, Noah was moved. When, when God moves you to something and you begin to apply yourself to it, it's the best use of time. Because when the final assessments are made, you find out that, you know, you are smiling. I don't know if you've ever been in an exam before where, I mean, typical Nigerian exams, where they say, uh, question one is compulsory, then answer any two from the other ones. The challenge being you don't know question one. <laughs> you know, you just feel, ah, what kind of wickedness is this? And so the best use of time 
is, as I say this, I'm trying hard not to, you know, call things, which is why it was useful that I laid that foundation about God wanting us to enjoy richly, so take out, because there are things which we must necessarily do. We must laugh, we must play, we must have fun. You must live your life to the fullest. But when it comes to investing your time with eternity in mind, it means that there will be changes. There will be certain things that you will do and certain things you will not do. So, you, I mean, um, we, we used to say, look, if you did this experiment where you took a view of your days. I think they said if you sleep average, what, six hours every day? Six to eight hours. Depending on what series you are watching. What, six to eight hours, okay? If you sleep six hours every day, that's a quarter of the day. Okay? Six over 24 is a quarter. If you do that consistently all year long, you literally sleep a quarter of the year. Now you've not added time for taking showers, You've not added time for dressing up, eating. I don't even mention social media yet. We're coming there. But as you analyze your time, you realize that your actual functional time is not a lot. So that's, that, in fact, <laughs> so when I started, you know, so I was praying, writing the message, I was praying, and then God started saying, um, talking about preaching the gospel. And I was like, ah, God, small play now. What, how did we enter here? This message on time, time. How did we enter preaching the gospel? How do I enter, how do I put preaching gospel inside message about time, messages of time? Well, God, the month we are doing so, we, we'll get there. Relax. It didn't leave my heart. I literally been dragging this way, God. <laughs> and so, um, one of the most urgent things that God needs to do on the earth is to reach people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot understand why as Christians we have developed such an apathy for preaching. I know we've, we have, we have, um, we've, we've come out with things that make that palliative to our conscience that my life, if I live my life well, it's like a gospel. My life will just be speaking. They will hear, they will confess, they will guess it. Well done. In fact, that's a good time to say well done, sir, right? <laughs> One of the things laid in my heart, and I tell you, I was telling Wumi that I've been struggling with this, was that the, one of the best use of time is to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and to leave it. One of the best use of time. It's amazing. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because the power of God unto salvation. Hmm. Why don't we preach as much as we should? Now that's, when you, say, you see how I ask that question. As much as we should. means that we preach or we don't preach. I was being kind. And sometimes what happens is that we've not realized the urgency of the matter. 
the small example laid in my heart as I prepared was block of flats. You live upstairs, top flat. Big fire. It's your position as you're running down. You know, I'm praying, ah, God, fire. Let the rain of heaven come down. As you're coming, do you say, ah, Lord, my neighbors in flat six and flat four, ah, when they see me running, they will know that there's fire in the building. No. As you're going down, you're shouting, okay, chuku, for lake. You are shouting, fire. It's, you don't keep quiet. Except you are wicked. And even then, there's a wickedness. Even then, <laughs> even then, that's not wickedness. That's it has to be no, that one for you to live, for you to leave them, you won't leave them. But you go out shouting, and then if they have not responded, you you don't, you cannot. And so I I tell you, I struggled with this, not because I didn't understand it, but because I was like, God, we're talking about the best use of time. You know, I don't want to now push the message. It's like, but you know, I'm a messenger. So I have to tell you what was laid in my heart. <laughs> Help me ask your neighbor, when was the last time you preached to somebody about Jesus? <laughs> um, Pastor Godman tells a story about a guy who he had continuous experience with, uh, fellowship with, but never shared with him about his faith. And how, I think a month or a year later, they moved house, and after a while, the guy was involved in a motorbike accident, and he died. And I was so convicted. I, I want to say this, and I'll say one more thing, I'll try and put this message together, round up. Look, eh, church, I know it's not cool, but if you understand that this is the biggest contention on the earth, if you understand it, start creating time for the preaching of the gospel. It's something I am, I am committing to also. That's one of the best uses of time. <sighs> okay, I feel, I feel good now. I feel better. I feel I've done my job, but I'll come back. Last one for me, very important, best use of time, is how the deliberate investment of time in becoming more like Jesus. And this is what I mean. Um, when we talk about why we are Christians, there is an end to it. And spiritual maturity requires the investment of blocks of time. Um, years ago, I read a book, years ago, I was much very young, I read a book called The Effective Executive by a guy called Peter Drucker, who was an authority in management and stuff. And I was so young that I didn't process everything in the book. But I remembered one thing I, one thing I took out of it was how he almost seemed to advocate or give an option of how executives would, instead of trying, because they had so much of their time spoken for, would literally look for blocks of time to do things which were important to them. And that never left me. And so when I say use your time 
to become more like Jesus. I realized that taking blocks of time to say, look, I'm going on a retreat. Or I'm going to take this Saturday morning, I'm going to read scripture. Or I'm going to pray. Is extremely important. How much time should you pray? I have only one single I have one small rule of thumb. Is that you should pray longer than you spend time on social media. That's my rule of thumb. <laughs> um, I think it was one of our, someone here in church who said they found some app which allowed them to figure out how much time they were spending on social media. I think she said the first time she put the app on, where did she end up? Six hours a day. Not a week, a day. And I think she then deliberately cut it down. But, hey. Now, because all these things, you see, because what typically when we talk about the best use of time, we talk about management tools, you know, and structures. And, but you see, a diary is of no use to an idol or a visionless person. It just be blank. A man who doesn't have an assignment does not need a PA. That's just a status symbol or a bodyguard. You know, at the end of the day, you make time for the things that are really important to you. Years ago, I found out that for the things that are important to us, we'll make time for. So when it came to trying to manage time, so this is as a, uh, I found out that if I reoriented, if I changed what I really thought was important, my time would flow in that direction. So as we, you know, I'm kind of done. As we, as we explore this whole topic about how do I maximize my life, one of the things, you know, I sense God is asking us for is that, Please don't use your time like everybody else is. In fact, what I expect to see is that there must be ways in which you use your time which is different because you have respect to the season of life that you're in, because you have respect to the assignment of God on your life, because you have respect to the fact that you have to preach the gospel, and that you are becoming more like Jesus. And because you have respect to the fact that some things will come out in the final exams and some things will not. And that, that, that's our charge this morning. Um, I, used to, I tell the guys, I say, look, come. If you're always available 24-7 for everybody, then you must know something Jesus did not know. Because at a point, they would say, ah, Jesus, where are you? Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus learned how to decide what he wanted to do with what time. I mean, I've made, over the last couple of weeks, some fairly severe changes to how my life runs. And I've, I've, I have had to do that. <laughs> so, so next week, we'll, um, I'll start out speaking about how do you get a sense for the season of life that you're in. 
and I'll talk about the best use of the giftings and the talents that God has given you. I'll read out of Matthew 25. I'm trying not to preach next week's message already, but I'll just read out of Matthew 25. Uh, there's a concept, there are a couple of concepts about purpose which I'll try and look at in, the, you know, in view of Scripture because we talk about finding your passion and your big gifts. And I worry that loads of people are then bearing what they think are small gifts. And we'll talk about uh, you know, how to seize opportunity. Our prayer this morning is very simple. It's God give me wisdom. For someone, you're saying, you know, God, show me. <laughs> show me what's going to come out that I may focus on it. If you forget anything in this message, just remember areas of concentration. Areas of concentration. So for someone, I don't know how God will lead you to respond to this message, but I hope it's that you would, for someone you need, oh, by the way, you, as a church, we need to preach. Someone needs to preach at least this week. It might not be cool. It might feel like you're going to die. You will not die. Someone just needs to preach. The hymn says, take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to thee, take my moments and my days. Let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Follow me, you think I'm not going to call you? Come on, let's Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.